0: Because you have to recreate this stuff in your own mind to be able to speak it out, don't you? You have to figure those things out. There are some things in your life that you would love to tell other people about. There are some things in your life that you would not even think twice about sharing with other people. Because those things would bring you shame. But you also know that in Christ, you're a new creature, And you can share those things without getting into gory details, showing someone that you're a human being and that you've messed up before and that your life is much different now in Jesus Christ. That takes what? Imagination. Working those things through, letting the spirit work through you and speak through you. Now, I went through that whole exercise to tell you why it's really important to to understand when we look at these passages about heaven, how your imagination helps you, through the Spirit, to gain greater understanding. Greater understanding. Now, we we live in a very special time right now. It wasn't that long ago, well, you know, the, the Ten Commandments movie is a great example of how even back in the 50s with the technology that was there, special effects can help you to understand events in the Bible. Who can think of one special effect that took place in the Ten Commandments movie that helps you to understand a passage in Scripture that's really hard to believe without imagining it? The parting of the Red Sea. Probably one of the best special effects I've ever seen. And that was back in the 50s when they made this movie. And how they did that, I don't know. I would have to go back and probably do some research on that. But I'm sure they had an effect to show that. But the parting of the Red Sea was a special effect that brought to life, at least on that movie screen, what it looked like in Scripture. And just imagining crossing, then not only that, think about this, crossing on the bed of that river on dry ground, which only God can do. Because you couldn't go across a river if you just took the waves away. You have to have dry ground to cross on. Otherwise, you have a muddy bottom of that river. You can't get carriages and stuff through that. You can't walk through that. What did I say, the Red Sea? The river. the river. The Red Sea. Yeah, I know, I just... It is a little deeper. Yeah, that's a big deal. Absolutely. It's the Red Sea. But without that imagery, you have a little bit of trouble understanding what that passage was saying. And there were other miracles, too. The pillar of fire was, was another thing that was also demonstrated in the movie. They did the pillar of fire. And you could tell that was animated because it was drawn in. You could see that that was done. But that was still a decent representation of that. But do you understand what I'm saying now about how your imagination has to come into play to understand passages about heaven? If you ain't been there, you don't know what you're seeing. You only have to imagine it. This is a gift that God gives you for understanding. So by all means, we need to look at these passages and kind of figure those things out for ourselves. Now, at the top of the handout in front of you is Isaiah sixty-five seventeen. 17. The, the passage is there. And the idea of God creating a new heavens and a new earth, that's a pretty magnanimous statement. New heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So we're talking about a whole new situation. Now, understand this passage. It doesn't mean that you forget what happened in the past. You will remember those things, but they will be an afterthought compared to the glory that you're going to be in. It will pale. Everything that happens today is going to pale in comparison to what we're going to be experiencing in the future. Amen? That's what you need to understand about that. A new heaven, new heavens, and a new earth. Now, we can only imagine what that means. We have to understand that a new earth is going to be something different from this present earth. Maybe it's a different form. Maybe it's a different globe. Maybe it's something completely Outside of our realm of understanding. But we need more than this. To try to piece together what this really means. This is just one passage to ponder over. Lord what do you mean by a new heavens. And a new earth. What does that comprise? Good honest questions. And I think that. God challenges us to ask those questions. He wants us to seek after him. He doesn't want us to take anything at face value. Even when he uses the words, work out your salvation. Well, working out your salvation means what? You have salvation but now you're going further and further into it and understanding more and more about this life that Jesus has given you with your salvation. Because you have to work out your salvation because of what? Your flesh. You still mess up. And you mess up on a daily basis. You still sin on a daily basis. Yeah, you're working out your salvation. Absolutely. Because Scripture tells us that those who are truly focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're able to withstand those things that tempt us. And yet we still mess up. So we need to be prayerful about those moments. Let's turn to Isaiah 25. I had a passage I wanted to... Let me see... Pull out my other electronic device. It kind of goes in realm. You know what? Go back real quick. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Now, this is not the work out your salvation passage. But it is a passage that we need to look at. Um... Let's go down to, let's see here, Galatians, I'm pulling the verse out. Let's start with verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I say then walk by the spirit, 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 and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh desires what is against the spirit. And the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Drop down real quick to verse 24. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, understand something. Everything we're talking about here is what a struggle. This is an ongoing struggle that's being mentioned here in Galatians at the end of Galatians. This is what it means about working out your salvation. That's another passage. But you have a constant struggle. And you have a struggle against Satan. Satan doesn't want you to think about the things that are glorious or good. He has to, he's going to take you away from those things. He's going to take you to the things that will make you do the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality moral impurity promiscuity. Those are the passages up in 19 and 20 He's going to lead you in that direction You have to allow the spirit to take you away from that way of thinking But that's a struggle Satan doesn't want you to use your imagination in such a way where you're looking to heaven He wants you to go right to using your imagination for what fleshly purposes do you know that today in today's world pornography is more accepted now by more adults than ever in history, and is viewed mostly as something that yeah it's just people what people do, and what they do on their own time is their own business. Now on the surface that's really not a bad thing. Problem with that is that everyone is different, and some people get addicted to it. And it ruins lives and it ruins families and it ruins and tears down our culture bit by bit by bit. So we have to understand that even though the general population may say, hey, it's not bothering anybody, it really is. But it starts with the individual. Satan wants you to think about those things where you're not thinking about anything else but getting in front of a computer screen looking at porn. And unfortunately, that has happened for a lot of people. And they're addicted to it, just like you're addicted to alcohol, just like you're addicted to a lot of different things. And most of it, well, it's become more prominent as far as the overall, it's always been there. Let's start with that. If you go back in scripture, remember, you know, what is Sodom and Gomorrah known for? They had, they were heavy into homosexuality and it even involved young children. This is nothing new. It's coming more and more into play today. It's always been there, which is a really sad story. Because that means you talk about other lives now who have been affected by people acting out on this Imagery you see what i'm saying they're acting it out So we have not only a cultural war today because there is a cultural war a cultural war if you get right down to it is between God or jesus christ and satan And all the underlying stuff that comes with that there's a cultural war going on in this country today You must understand that and there have been a lot of arrests recently for child pornography that have now made the news because there's actually some people who are saying enough is enough. It's God working through those people to say enough. Too many lives have been ruined because of this. It's hard to reach a person who's been through this type of torment, but only God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit can actually reach those people who have been damaged Beyond belief by people that they were supposed to be able to trust. Only Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can reach those people. And thankfully, He has for some. Unfortunately, not for all. There's a lot that's going on today, obviously. Understand the times you're living in. Understand that imagination is good, but satan will take your imagination to and use it for evil it's something that you have that you need to be aware of i wanted to point out this passage to show you where this cultural war is all these things that are referenced here in scripture have always been around they've always been present Look at verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to understand that that disqualifies you from heaven if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a disqualification. Because the flesh and the spirit can't come together. That's why we need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to work through our salvation. Look to the Spirit to give us the power. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That was verse 25. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, so now that we're looking at this and knowing what our struggle is, Let's take a look at these passages about heaven. And use our imagination in a good way. Amen? In a positive way. All right, now you can go to Isaiah. Thanks for allowing me to throw that curveball at you. You did a splendid job hitting it and getting a base hit. Well done. One thing about Isaiah... If you've read through Isaiah and if you're following the two-year Bible plan, you're in Isaiah right now. Uh, At least the the, the section that I'm in anyway. There's a lot of imagery in Isaiah. Don't know if you caught that, but there is. This is an example of it. Look at starting with verse 7. And this is something I had to add within the passage here too. We can even make an argument to go on to verse 6. Go back to verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, fine vintage wine. Now, for those of you who have eaten a good meal, there is nothing better than a delicious steak. Isn't that right? And not just any old piece of meat. I'm talking about prime cuts of beef. Which are very expensive. Amen? Now, y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on now. Now, see, this, the reason why I mention that, do you see how your understanding of passages goes back to your own personal experiences? Because what else have you got? You don't have anything else. Scripture is giving you about a feast of choice meat. A feast with aged wine. Prime cuts of choice meat. Everybody knows what prime cuts of choice meat are. It's the best meat. It's not the worst part of the calf or the cow. It's the best. God wants you to see that this is the best. He's giving you the best. He's giving you this understanding for you to see this in your imagination, understanding this is what he is going to do for you. Can you imagine the feast, the banquet that we're going to have with him? We ain't talking about table scraps. We ain't talking about leftovers. We ain't talking about nothing like that. Fine vintage wine. Now, let's face it. There's different types of wine. Now, I don't drink anymore, but there was a point in one time in my life when I did drink, and they had this wine that was called Boone's Farm Apple Wine. Or Ripple, which was certainly not the best wine you could buy. It was mostly twenty-five percent alcohol, if I remember correctly. It was just—it was soda pop with—it <laughs> was soda pop with alcohol in it. Well, that ain't the wine we're talking about here, amen? amen. You know, if you're a wine connoisseur, I don't know if anybody is a wine connoisseur in here, and, and as if you are, that's great, but. You know, wine. If you if you collect wine, that's a very expensive hobby. If you want the best wines, you know you're talking about hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars bottles of wine or more. But those are the best wines that are available. We're talking about fine vintage wine because aged wine is the most expensive wine. Not the stuff that they made back in the day. They were a <laughs> Where you could go to the store and pull it out. That's not aged wine. So we know now from that analogy exactly what we're talking about here. Let's continue. Praise the Lord. Let's keep moving on. On this mountain, he will destroy the burial shroud, the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. He will destroy death forever. That's a clue. That's a clue. Destroying death forever means what? The world that we know won't exist anymore. Death has been overcome already by salvation. But destroying death forever means that there won't be any more dying taking place. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth for the Lord has spoken. On that day, it will be said, look, this is our God. We have waited for him and he has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. You know that song we sing about, let us rejoice and be glad in it? comes from here. I'm pretty sure that that's where this passage is pulled from this passage. Being rejoicing and being glad in your salvation is something you can do today. But guess what? You're going to do it again when you're with him because you will be overjoyed because you're going to be in his presence. It's going to be so different. That's the whole point of this. Your imagination is going to tell you how is telling you how different this is going to be. Unlike anything you've ever experienced right now. It's going to be different. Now, I'm going through this exercise with you to relate to you how good we have it right now in Jesus Christ. Because we can look forward to this. This is something to look forward to. Wouldn't you want to be in a place where there's no death, the best food, the best wine, the best of everything... And you're in the Lord's presence. Who wouldn't want that? Well, the fool wouldn't want it because the fool wouldn't know what they're missing. I mean, really what it comes down to. People who don't know the Lord have no way of conceptualizing what this means. Without what? The Spirit to give you that additional understanding. We all have the gift of imagination. Use the gift that God gives you to help you with passages like this so that you can speak to others about this goodness. Heaven can't just look like a vacation spot. That ain't enough. As much as my wife and I love to go on vacation... That ain't enough to describe what heaven's going to be like. Walking on the beach is cool, but it's not as cool as being in the Lord's presence in a place where there's no longer any death or dying. I mean, there's just no comparison. There's no comparison. See, we enjoy these things of this life because this is all we have. This is what we have. This is what we can experience. And for us in our bodies, and our flesh right now, and who we are and the people that we are, it's pretty good. But it ain't nothing like what heaven's going to be like. No more crying. Let's read further here. Verse 10, for the Lord's power will rest on this mountain, but Moab will be trampled in his place as straw is trampled in a dung pile. He will spread his arms out in the middle of it as a swimmer spreads his arms out to swim. His pride will be brought low along with the trickery of his hands. The high walled fortress will be brought down, thrown to the ground, to the dust. Now, one thing we need to look about with with, with Isaiah, he moves in and out, in and out. He will talk about heaven in passages, but he'll also talk about what happens to those who are not following him. He moves in and out. Doesn't mean this stuff's going to be happening in heaven. This stuff will be happening outside of heaven. But he does this a lot. See, that's why when you read this stuff, you've got to look at it and select those passages that are being very specific about heaven. Because if you go through Isaiah, he is in and out all the time. This is just, but it's, but what is it? It's
1: prophecy.
0: It's prophecy. He's only speaking about what's going to happen in the future. Prophecy requires imagination. You're talking about understanding events of the future, things that haven't happened yet. Just like this whole idea of understanding what heaven is, it takes imagination. But when you read these passages, you've got to understand Isaiah it moves in and out But we need to see what the consequences are too for those who aren't following the lord For those who are being evil for those who are being fleshly for those people who are doing this child pornography for those people who are going out and just stealing kids Human trafficking stuff There's a punishment for this behavior if you don't repent from it Pardon me and even if you do, there's going to be a consequence. Yeah, there's a there's going to be your your, your crowns are not going to be very plentiful. If you do repent, yes. You got to give your life to the Lord. The Lord wants to save everyone, even the worst sinner like me. Amen. We all have to think on those terms. That's why we have to personalize this thing about working through your salvation. Amen? You better personalize that. Let's look at another passage. Matthew chapter 5. I hope you can see the value in this exercise. I want you to really think. This is where your faith and your discipleship with others is taking on an even greater meaning than before. If you can understand through what God gives you about what these passages mean, you can speak more clearly to others about them because you're being convicted of them. The Spirit is dealing with you about these. You have to understand that this is truth that you're studying and experiencing. If you don't think it's truth and you have doubts. You need to go back to the Lord and pray and ask about it. Ask those questions. Lord, is this true? I know you say your word is truth. Help me with this understanding. Just like you go back and say, Lord, help my unbelief. Your faith struggles all the time. Lord, help my unbelief. You should be communicating with him every day about this stuff. Even John the Baptist, when he was incarcerated... Asked questions. And remember, Jesus said John was the greatest of all men alive. But he is a human being just like us. He's asking questions. Is he the one who has come to to come and save our people? Is he the one? That's a valid question for someone in the flesh. Ask questions questions. Jesus wants you to ask. What does he say? Ask, seek, knock. He says it. He wants you to do that. This is a continual process. That's in Matthew 7, 7. He wants you to be asking. He wants you to be seeking. He wants you to knock. That's why we need to make sure we're focusing on the Word every day. Find the time to focus on the Word every day. If you miss a day, get back after the next day. Amen? 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 I can't stress this enough, everybody. This is something you have to do every day. You've got to focus on it every day. This is something we have to do. The two-year Bible plan helps you with this. I really, I believe with all my heart, I know everybody created these one-year Bible plans. I think those are plans that are subject to fail over the course of a year because it's too much to read in one day, realistically. I, I, just, I just believe that with all my heart. I don't, I think the two-year plan, when I first saw that, I said, wow, now this might actually be worth it. Seven to ten minutes a day. Seven to ten minutes a day. And use the time after the 7 to 10 minutes a day to do the prayer and meditation over what you've read or over what day you're facing. So if you can carve out 15 minutes for all of that, you're way ahead of a lot of folks. You really are. You're way ahead of a lot of people. Think of it on those terms. The two-year Bible plan was designed Seven to ten minutes a day of reading. If you go longer than that, great. If you have the time to do it, great. But use that time after that to do the five minutes. of, And five minutes is a long time. Of prayer and meditation. You could do it. We want you to succeed. Jesus wants you to succeed in this asking, seeking, knocking. He wants you to get answers that only come from the Spirit. Answers. Verse 17. Matthew 5. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of these, the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does teach, does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness Surpasses that of the scribes and pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven Now very important for you to see something here First of all understand that in heaven there is going to be a hierarchy Do you see that there's a hierarchy? How do we know there's a hierarchy? What does it say in verse 19? Understand that you're in the flesh. You're going to break commands You're going to sin. He's speaking to human beings like us. This goes back to this constant working out your salvation. He wants you to do what? Sin less. The more you go through life, he wants you to sin less and less and less than you did before. So we can say, based upon this, those who sin less will be greater in heaven. Those who sin more will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't mean you won't get to heaven. Doesn't mean that you won't be in heaven. But there's a hierarchy. You are accountable for your actions on earth today. The more that you do to bring people to the Lord, that counts for something the more you're living and giving an account of your life for christ before others that means something so now use your imagination and look at your life And the great thing about this is that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Even if you had a miserable life, a miserable existence of sin, even if you were a person who was into porn, even if you were an alcoholic, even if you were a person who was struggling with stuff, today is the first day of the rest of your life in Jesus Christ. Time to get moving. Time to get into that life that Christ would have you to live. And understand something. Sometimes it's the persons who have struggled the most in life who are our greatest witnesses for Jesus Christ. Because they can relate to others who have had those struggles. Those who have been addicted. Those who have been that's that cat's name? That's uh, down in Wadsworth. The uh, the guy that we saw at um, I can't think of it now, but it was the re- it was the renewed. I can't think of the name of the the card. Pardon me. Yes, I don't remember the name of the year, but you know who I'm talking about. The guy lived a life that was unbelievable when it comes to just sin and drug abuse and. Just not living for the Lord. Now, he is one of the most mightiest spokespersons for Christ. And that's because of the life he lived. Now, you know, did Jesus know that this man was going to go through all that to get to be where he was? I guarantee you, of course he did. But he wouldn't let that man die. See, this, you have to look at this from a standpoint where we all deserve to die at some point. Even if we got out of harm's way, sin could have taken us out. But yet God, see, this is the stuff that you need to communicate when you're discipling other people. God preserved me to be able to speak about his goodness and talk about stuff like a place to look forward to like heaven. This is what you need to see. And look at verse 20 one more time. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees. And wait, the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes were who? People actually wrote down the law. People that actually wrote about Scripture. But just because they wrote about it doesn't mean that they're getting into heaven. And the Pharisees is the other example. Because they talked a good game, but they really were doing what? They were imposing upon <clears throat> the, the people things that were impossible to meet the law. They were using it for their own personal benefit. You will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Because they didn't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't want to know Christ. They didn't have any desire to know Christ. Now these are people that are supposed to be close to the law. It should give some people pause for people who play church. We got a lot of folks that play church. Even pastors. Who's that now? um, um, Do they think they're going to get into heaven?
1: heaven.
0: You're using your imagination to come up with that question. It's a good question, though. Understand something. A lot of people are deceived by Satan, thinking that they're going to get something that's not going to be there for them. It's a self-righteous behavior. That's right. Oh, yeah. But but we need to understand that's the way a lot of people think, though. The, the passage is talking about scribes, people who wrote down the law. Now, if you're writing down the law, what do you have to do? You have to do what? You have to take it in. You've got to be able to take it in and, and get it. You're getting it either copying it from somewhere else and putting it on paper because that's what they used to do. They would copy it, take it, copy it, and, and put it down somewhere. So they're being exposed to it. But yet they don't. Believe it, or they don't live it. Got to understand that—that's what's going on here. That was the first bell, right? Okay, you had your—you had your hand up. I don't know if you were ready for me or not.
1: Yeah, in uh, Romans 9:31, uh, it says this about Israel. And what you talking about, it says, "For 9:31, it says but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness.'" Has not attained it right. to the righteousness of the law. Right. Then it says in one more verse. Here, then it says in ten three. It says this right here. It says, "For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, that's it, and going about to establish their own righteousness,
0: that's right. They
1: did what they wanted to. Yep. Do, and having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Yeah,
0: that's it. Go ahead."
1: Okay. Uh, We have to be mindful too. There are some people, uh, I think the scripture in Romans, he used uh, used that word ignorant.
0: Ignorant. Yeah.
1: Now, (laughs) uh, careful now. (laughs) Yes. Ignorance just means that you have not sought out, you have not done your own checking. We're foolish if we sit here Sunday after Sunday. That's right. And I think that's lightweight cultish mentality Yes. if you do that because you're allowing others or one somebody to feed you, yeah. and you're not seeking it out. So you do have those that are. We need to know it, we need to be mindful that we're not misleading, and we're not adding pearls into the mix, and we're only giving word and sound teaching when we're leading
0: others. Thank you. I want you to take into account everything that's been talked about today. We've got, We covered two passages, but I want you to see how you have so much ability to be able to disciple other people. With this information. But you have to seek. And ask those questions yourself. To be able to speak about. The goodness of Jesus Christ. Because I can't do that for you. You have your own imagination. I can't help you with your imagination. I can't see. In your mind. What you see. I can only see what I can see. I can't speak for my wife and she can't speak for me. But I know that we both have a mutual understanding of the word and we have the desire to learn more and we have the desire to be taught. And you know what? That's a good place to be. You got to have the desire to overcome this ignorance and seek out what the word is saying to you. And the thing that we have to challenge everyone in a church today and some churches don't have Sunday school for whatever reason I don't know if it has to do with you know some folks in the population look I don't assume that everybody can read let's start with that There, there are a lot of people who don't aren't just aren't capable of reading and that may be the culture that's a cultural issue but you know what Even they need to learn and let the spirit speak to them and seek out and get help with that. But aside from that, Sunday school is important. Going to church is important. But you know what? You got to study for yourself. You got to do the seeking yourself. Ask, seek, knock. You will have greater understanding. God is going to use your imagination to help you to be able to tell your story to other people about life and about what they can look forward to. Yes. To a right. That's right. It's a personal testimony, right? Right. You can't make a testimony for Debbie. You know, Debbie has to make her own testimony. You can only speak about your own testimony. It's like, Why are you telling me about Debbie's testimony? Debbie, that's her life. She needs to be able to speak for herself. You guys get where I'm going with this, right? This is a much more in-depth way of looking at study now. God gives you these abilities. Use them. Use your imagination. Okay. We'll, We'll pick up next week. There's a lot more to look at, but I'm glad we're doing this. This is really good. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to come together and, again, just seek you out. We thank you for these passages that you give us about heaven. We thank you for helping us with greater understanding. Lord, as we don't understand, we want to ask you, please give us more to help us. Because, Lord, we want to do those very things that you would have us to do. To be able to understand more about my own life. To be able to have the ability to speak to others about my own life. And give a favorable testimony about how you made changes in my life. And how those changes can impact others. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to live according to the Great Commission. These very things that you've given us to do. Thank you for giving us the desire to seek after you. Thank you for giving us the ability to do so. It's easier and easier every day and yet sometimes it's harder and harder. Help us with that. Challenge us with that. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next week.